I have one thing to say. The more I come to understand, tiny particles of light and I'm searching my head. You better work. Welcome to The Original Doll. I'm your host, James Rodriguez. On The Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who create it. We go behind the scenes and learn all about these iconic songs from these icons themselves. And at the same time, we give back to charity. For more information, visit www.theoriginaldoll.com. And I want to give a big shout out to my Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. Anyone else, you could join it by going to our website. And as with every episode of The Original Doll, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So, my name is James Rodriguez, and this is The Original Doll. I want to welcome to the original Dow James Rodriguez, the producer, songwriter, creator who has worked with so many icons, including, as you heard at the beginning, RuPaul, Madonna, Britney Spears, and Pink. I want to welcome and thank you so much for being here today, Jimmy Harry. Um, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun because there are so many songs and artists that you've worked on throughout throughout the decades. Legitimately, we can go through, you know, the '90s later and everything, and. You've had your hand on on so many people. And what I've loved is I've received so many different compliments and these kind of love letters we get uh, from most of these people are from the LGBT plus community that love mm-hmm. the work and are just excited to be able to hear from you about so many of the iconic songs that you have and so many that are loved by like myself and the rest of the gays. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you for for going through this with me. It's going to be like, this is your life. We're going to go through all this, the gay version. We're going to go through the gay icon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So let's rewind all the way back to the beginning. At what point in your life did music become a, a true part of you? When did music come into your life? I mean, I think I was always listening to music, uh, you know, a lot. <clears throat> I learned how to kind of like, I really wanted a guitar, but my parents got me one. And finally, they never they didn't buy me one, but my mom had an old classical guitar and I got to take lessons on it. And then um, eventually like, she broke down years later and bought me an electric guitar very cheap one and you know it was just kind of like once I got that and I taught myself to play piano I had like they tried to give me piano lessons but like I kind of fell in love with like Elton John songs so I taught myself how to play like all the Elton John songs on the piano and uh you know he's he's like he was like a, a real uh you know hero for me um and then uh, I kind of like, you know, I, I got a scholarship to music school because I kind of was like, I was musical. And the first year I had a full scholarship and then I decided I hated musicians. <laughs> and I, I, I became like a, a history music uh, major. And um, but then I like hated that too. And I started doing music for theater because um, my mom was a playwright. And I had a band that broke up and I was kind of bummed and depressed. And she said, hey, I've got a 
gig for you. She she had started this institution called the Playwright Center in Minneapolis, which has you know turned into a huge thing. It still is, and um, they you know host lots of playwrights and they do workshops. And it's um, so she said we have this like dude coming in and he wants like a young rock musician and i was like okay i'll do it paid 50 dollars or something like that you know it was like and i did it and it was fun and at the end of the week they did you know they did a, a reading and they got like three job offers from it so like i one was to do a, a uh you know a performance art piece at the museum of contemporary arts in los angeles another was um you know to do write a musical to this Eric Overmeyer place. And another was to um, uh, work with this install, this visual artist. And we ended up doing a installation at the Whitney Museum. So it was kind of like, oh shit, this is cool. Like I've got like, <laughs> I've got like a whole career path now. And so it was like, you know, I did that and I was doing that. And um, I thought, you know, I, I mean, not to say I wasn't making other kinds of music. I was. I I got really into like house music around then. So it was a really cool like indie electronic label in Minnesota. And they would just like anytime I would have a song, they would put it out. You know, it was like sold three copies. A couple of them were like kind of influential back, you know, like kind of in like the, the techno scene back in the day. But it wasn't like a career path or anything like that. And, that, you know, I was like, no, I didn't really listen to pop like pop music that much it was kind of more like into avant-garde stuff and so i was doing a play in atlanta musical with uh lee brewer who was you know famous director writer and was you know my mentor and he and his partner who was directing to the play the play um were like oh you know what we have something else to do can you cast the play for me you know so i was down there by myself i was like like <laughs> you know, like probably 19 or something like that. And, um, you know, we didn't really like kind of normal actors, you know, we like more interesting performers. And I, you know, said that to the artistic director of the theater, who I still know, and um, she's lovely. And, you know, after like two days of seeing kind of the most normal, like straight actor people you would ever imagine, I like, was like super frustrated that this is going to work. And I'd been walking past uh, a poster that said, RuPaul is star booty. And um, so I thought it was a black funk check. I didn't like had no idea, like, you know, like literally like this mohawk, you know, like, you know, mini skirt and, you know, combat boots, you know, it was a poster like, you know, I, I dragged her by the neck and said, this is cool. We need this. And she was, oh, Ru's been a show here before. Um, and he said, he even better. So like, you know, cast him in this musical. And we did it. We hung out and we used to smoke a lot of weed together and go bowling with like this, you know, couple other people in the thing. And, you know, when I moved to New York, he wasn't there. But then like I ran into him, like probably like maybe six months after I had moved there. And he was like, he looked at me and was like, hey, Jimmy. And I was like, hey, Rude, what's up? He said, Jimmy. I'm ready. I want to do some music with you. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Because I was thinking like, you know, I'm doing this play. You should be in my play. And he was like, no, Jimmy, I don't want to do that. I want you. To, I'm ready. Do some songs with me. 
And this went on for like literally three weeks. I'd call him up and say, I'm so glad you're here now. Like, um, are you going to do my play? He was like, no, Jimmy, I don't want to do that. Let's do some songs. And finally I was like, fuck it. Okay, come over and let's do a song. And I had my little like four track and stuff. And we did a song and it was really fun. I mean, he's like, you know, fun. And we did another one. And I think it was either on the second or the third one. We got like that, you know, Monica Lynch heard it. It was like, you know, like Randy and Fenton were managing him. They do like direct produce drag race and they're, they're still managing him. They stopped for a while, but they're, they're, they started up with drag race. And this guy, lovely guy, Bill Coleman, I never knew this until like literally a month or two months ago. Like Bill Coleman actually brought the tape to Monica, um, uh, what's her, Monica Lynch, uh, Tommy Boy. And um, I always thought Randy and Fenton did it, but, you know, because they always made it seem like they did it. And it was actually Bill Coleman. <laughs> and, um, uh, uh, so, you know, we got the deal and I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, God, I'm a, a record producer. And, you know, kind of, you know, did it. We did five songs. Label was like pretty dark about everything i was like well the demos were better than what you're doing now i was like no okay and then kind of like shut down and then i got a call from randy and saying um you know larry t who rue had worked with a bit before um has a kind of an interesting idea and he said we can just have the idea to tell you but if you want to like get together with him and uh um you know maybe have a go because he and rue weren't that friendly at the time i guess so I got in a room with Larry and Larry just kind of, I, I made it be, and Larry just talked what was supermodel over it. Like, it was like, really like, you better work, bitch, work the <laughs> runway. Like, kind of like that. It was just like, you know, like all the thing. Larry had seen like Rue's transformation. Rue, like before, kind of like, you know, was doing sort of t what he called terror drag, you know, it was like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like half boy, half girl. And then, but like when he got the deal, all of a sudden it was like glam, 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 glam. And um, Nuts really saw it, but then Larry saw it and said, Supermodel, it was kind of the 90s, so the Supermodel thing was happening. And we did that. Then Rue and I came over, Rue came over, and I, you know, kind of, helped finish the song and that was the deal so my question is with with that because i mean we just celebrated the 30th anniversary of the album being released in in november but this year will be the official single coming out like no i think it's like november 93 no the single came the out single. way before the the single came out before the at record so so this is what this is one of the questions because we had People were messaging about that because they said through Wikipedia and through a couple other places, many people said, I thought the single came out before the album did. We know that there were different versions and everything. And this is from Kilani from Hawaii and said, can you please update and just make sure that we have the dates right? Because we love hearing about the evolution of RuPaul. So this is perfect. This goes right into it. Kilani from Kauai. Yeah, I think like it was um, definitely the 
first it was you know there was there were songs like probably like half the rep i would actually say more than like probably like two-thirds of the record was basically had been recorded you know so but like we didn't really have a single and i didn't really know what i was doing with production at that point so kind of eric copper came in and finished a lot of the stuff but um and he produced supermodel i just wrote that one and, and um you know they think i can't remember i think they put out supermodel with house of love as a b-side but they might have just put out supermodel and then when supermodel started happening there was sort of a rush to finish the record so it was supermodel i think came out actually in 90 like like kind of november of 92 when the record came out much later you know because like, growing like up six in, months later well and that's the thing because growing up in a record store i remember getting my birthdays in summer and i remember getting the album it so like around june july but i remember i had i think it was like the 12 inch and it was house of love was like the other side to it where it was like the yeah. seven inch version 12 inch version sort of thing because i remember going i don't know who this is but this is fun i had no clue and i loved like walking around in a record store the tommy boy logo was so iconic to me because I would listen to all these songs that would come out that I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I knew what I was watching was, and I was like maybe 11 or 12 at the time. And I remember I knew what I was watching. It was like, it was so different for me that I thought, this is, this is amazing. I feel like that helped me go enjoy the music. There's a point where you just go enjoy the music for what it is. Because I remember when Supermodel came out, I was like, oh, she's the supermodel. Like, I thought RuPaul was the biggest supermodel who ever existed. I thought, like, you know, some <laughs> opens for her. Like, because I assume if you had a song called Supermodel, you were the supermodel. Do you know what I mean? Like, little yeah. did I know. But yeah. let me ask you this then. When the song came out, because I feel like for me, I knew the song, and I feel like many people knew the song right away. How much bigger was the song from what you know what ended up happening versus what you thought hey we're just having a good time you know what i mean where did you go oh the song did very well and it's still i mean it's cultural earthquake you know what i mean yeah i mean i feel like it was it was sort of like you know if you look i mean i was always kind of like weirdly confident about Rue, you know, like when I was doing the play with him in Atlanta, he said, Jimmy, I'm doing a show tonight. Do you want to come? And I saw him play. I'd never seen a drag queen before, you know, and he was lip syncing. I was like literally floored. I was like, holy shit, this guy is a spectacular performer. He's a star. And, um, you know, I, I just was kind of like, I had this like, you know, like, belief in him and i think you know like he 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 kind of made everybody feel that way about him somehow he had that like kind of you know star quality and i was like i kind of felt like it was gonna work i mean i think like ultimately you know what was frustrating about it was because radio didn't play the record so like you know even though it seems like it was big and it was like a top five um, you know, like and it might have been a number one MTV record. I don't remember, but um, you know, it was like it peaked at 44 on the Billboard charts. You know, obviously, mm -hmm. like I've had songs have done way better than that that people don't remember. You know, so it's like I'm glad it's alive and living. You know, um, and 
all the kids know the song, which is phenomenal, you know, which I love that. But like, you know, it's kind of like it was a little bit of like, oh, this should be bigger. But there was so much, you know, kind of like, you know, radio was very square and he was gay and dressed in women's clothes. And it was like they were not supportive mm -hmm. of that. So it should have been bigger. It should have been like, you know, like super big, but like you just couldn't get people like not everybody was behind it. But then culturally, it was huge. So like, you know, it was kind of like that thing. It wasn't like, oh, my God, you know, like I think like, you know, when you have like a huge song, you know, for the first time, you know, like especially back then you were like, oh, I'm rich. I didn't get rich off of it. You know, it was like still like lower middle class, but like, a, you know, like it was cool to be a part of it, you know. Well, and that's one of those things. It's got to be awesome as a creative to have created a song that, I mean, if you think RuPaul and song, Supermodel goes right to it. Like that has become RuPaul's like a business card, if you will. Do you know what? Like you always think of that sort of thing. And so it's got to be great knowing that. But also I still think about the fact that you're like, do you want to come do this plate? No. Do you want to come do this plate? No. Do you want to come do this plate? <laughs> RuPaul's like, no. Like, Thanks for the invite, but I'm not going to your party. You're going to come on over. We're going to make some music. Yeah, he was like, it was, it, was, it was always his party, man, which is fine. I mean, See, you know. I, <laughs> that to me is amazing. So then let me ask you this. How did, so it's on Tommy Boy. It comes out. Was there at that point, because I know that there was like different versions released and it was it like a um, strudel model and stuff like that, like different things were happening with supermodel and the album did it then meet the expectations that tommy boy had for you as this producer as this creative i mean i think it's like one of the like you know i was just kind of at the beginning of like i wasn't one of these people who were you know you know was reading billboard and thinking like oh my god you know like i didn't even know songwriting was a job like they made me like I, I was surprised when I got my first ASCAP track. It was like it was kind of like a thing where you're just like it wasn't like it just wasn't where my head was at. Like, you know, like, I mean, it sort of just seemed like I don't know, maybe it's because I have low self-esteem. But I thought like, you know, maybe like, you know, when I was growing up and like I was thinking like, well, maybe I'll be able to like do commercials and have and support <laughs> myself doing music, you know, like and stuff. And, uh, um, you know, it. It kind of always had a thing. It wasn't until like I was on this the stage, you know, on the golden stage of the golden gold globes with Madonna, thinking like, you know, oh, you know what? You kind of have to start taking this seriously a little bit. You just like <laughs> stop being so like into your career. You're like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's just like it's just, it was like it was, I'm, I'm kind of pathetic that way about what can you do. I I love this. Well, here let's let's hop to that because the masterpiece. Madonna, I just did um, a couple posts and everything because the song has been charting on iTunes in different countries. And 
And it's it's been amazing because many people are like, James, you go through all these archives and you go through all these charts universally. I said, the thing is, one of the big things is Apple Music and iTunes Billboard. Many people think there's Billboard in every country. I'm like, there's not. Like, there's not iTunes in every country, Apple Music. And so I said, certain places are only getting digital versions of songs 10 plus years later kind of thing. And Masterpiece was one of those that did well recently. And I just posted it. But I wanted to ask, because we have Keith from Dubai. He said, I love Madonna. How did this song get made? Was it always for Madonna? This song is 100% gay approved. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like you've that, waited that, your whole life for that. <laughs> you know, like that's another. That's like kind of another one. Like you know, like I feel like I'm like I'm sort of like the um, you know, like I do a lot of these fan favorite songs. And masterpiece was like I don't think it sort of got sort of. I think it was a great song. I think a lot of people liked it. But when she, she did that, like the cheerleading video with Nicki Minaj, I think like people were not ready for that. And God, there was this like, you know, like it was out of your control. I think that song could have probably been a, a single for her. But that first video was so, it was a single in some places, but it was so polarizing in people, you know, like, I mean, I think it's like, I'm a little split on that one. I feel like certainly like, you know, you, you want to like when you're you're that age you sort of want to lead you want to kind of show like how do you like transition to um you know like being older in a way which madonna has refused to do which you gotta gotta love her for that too but like you know so it was like a lot of people reacted like dude you know she's like 60 in a cheerleading outfit that's like kind of weird but it kind of like it kind of got lost a little bit in that. But then, you know, people love the song. I was working with this, this great artist, um, Mogleda. She's like, on, just did like a Robin Schultz single recently featured on that. And she was like, oh, my God, that's my family's favorite song. And she's like the best singer ever. She is like, like insane. And I was like, really? She said, oh, I can't believe I met you. Like, really? That song? Like, but she was like, no, that's the song. And I'm like. That's weird. So it's it's cool. The cool thing about music is it, like, you know, certain things reach people and they love it, you know. So but that came, you know, that that was just this thing. I had kind of had a start of a song like it was more of like a melody with uh, Julie Frost. And it was, you know, basically what you hear on the record, apart from the strings, just me playing guitar with this kind of, you know, dance hall beat, you know, acoustic <laughs> guitar. And William Orbit heard it, Madonna finished it up and she was like, oh my God, this is, I wrote this for my, my movie. And we're like, okay, cool. And I didn't really think anything of it. And then like, I was flying to like Mexico and was like, you're nominated for um, like a golden globe. And like my phone blew up and I was on the plane. All of a sudden there were like, like 300 text messages, you know? And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, Cool. I wasn't expecting to win it. Like I thought Elton John was going to win it. Cause, and I was the, the reason I was really psyched to go was cause I was going to go. I have friends who know Elton, but it was like, I wanted to go and say, Hey man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. And, and, but it was kind of really sad because like we I did end up winning, but like there was this big cat fight going on between Elton and Madonna uh-huh. at the time. And so like, I saw Elton afterward and he was like 20 feet away and he gave me this look of death. And I was just oh. like, I was about to go over it to say, hi, I love you. And he was like, you 
don't even think about it. <laughs> that was my chance. What Never meet do? your heroes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I got to say hi to Merle Streep for my mom. My mom loved Merle Streep. So hi, Merle. My mom loves you. <laughs> See, so, that's what made it. There you go. Well, what was what was interesting with Masterpiece is that that came up a lot with people and the video. And I, I wanted to go over kind of those fact things that, that I did. So just in December, 2022, it went number one in Slovenia on iTunes on all genre, everything. So this was charting along with like Beyonce's Renaissance songs and Taylor Swift's album. And just a year before that was number one in Costa Rica. And so the song is loved that much that 10 plus years later, people are still buying it and they're seeking that song. And I remind people, I go, iTunes is important because radio, radio programmers can control. You know, when it comes down to iTunes and purchasing, that is the consumer that has that power. And so it's great. And what I've really loved is, especially with Madonna, is how much Latin America and everyone has really constantly, you know, taken her as, as one of their own kind of thing. But this song, I remember hearing it and going, this would be a great single, but I didn't know how it would fit in what most of the rest of that album was, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, no, it was totally like, it was a great song. I mean, sometimes songs just get lost. You can't, like, there's reasons why, like, you know, um, you know, that, that happened and they're out of your control. But it's great when, you know, people like, you know, my my hope is that they keep on living, really. That's like, for me, like, you know, I just want people, like, if people are still listening to it 10 or 20 years after the fact, it's a win, you know, that's for me, you know, so that's like, that's really what's important, you know, well, that you make something lasting and then it affects people's lives. Well, and that's one of those things that I thought was amazing with this, because you also have a song with uh, the woman behind me, Britney Spears. I'm a terrible <laughs> weatherman. I'm pointing to the wall of vinyl behind me. And mm. this I want to point out is you worked on a song with Britney Spears that Britney Spears has performed more than some of her number one singles. You worked on a song with Britney Spears that Britney Spears has performed more than some of her number one singles that when she did this career, you know, perspective thing, this, this, um, that, hap that happens to me. Like that happens to me so much, you know, like Kylie still playing, put yourself from a place. I, that song is like, um, heading for its 30th birthday. Pink still plays Funhouse. Oh, so we're going to go to all those, by the way, because we have questions from the gays. And as one woman <laughs> says, your number one lesbian fan, there's questions. Oh <laughs> my, I, I, I love the lesbians, man. Some of my best friends. Can I give a shout out to like, I, I don't even want to call, I, I'm kind of over calling people gay or straight or whatever, because I just think people should just be comfortable doing whatever the f they want to do. But everybody check out uh, Jasmine Flowers. She's a singer. She's 
has one of the most beautiful voices and I'm just shouting out like she you'll love her she's excellent Ooh. I need to just, check her okay see this is this is the and this is the fun part with the show is being able to learn about other artists and things like that and and other recommendations and suggestions because sometimes people are like hey I don't know you know this song or can you introduce me to some you know somebody else so at the end too if you want to come up with a, a list of kind of recommended vocalists or songwriters or anything that you would recommend for us that would be amazing so the song that we want to talk about right now with talking about your your career is Britney Spears's Touch of My Hand. Now we had Shepard Solomon on talking about being involved in this. Hopping out for a quick second. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you so much. Uh, and don't forget to rate, review, and follow. And if you're a returner, thank you for coming back. Now, for those who don't know, I actually interviewed Shepard Solomon about Touch of My Hand and a lot of his other music uh, with people that he worked with, everyone from Brownstone, Spice Girls, and more. So whatever your preferred streaming platform is, just scroll through the list and you'll see the different song title or artist and then the guest that is featured. But with every episode of the, the original doll, I let the artist know, basically, get ready. This is a uh, walk down memory lane. I'm going to be, you know, talking about people that you've collaborated with. Sometimes people are like, oh my God, I haven't really heard that name in years or I haven't talked to them in years. And it brings them back to being in that collaborative space. So what I love talking with Jimmy Harry about is his collaborations with so many people and so many people that have been on the show already. So we're going to get right to this. But don't forget, if you want some exclusive content, there's actually going to be exclusive content from this episode about Jimmy Harry's music with Britney Spears, including some of those unreleased and incomplete songs for Britney Spears. And I'm going to be deep diving a little bit more into Masterpiece Madonna, but we're going to get right back to the show where I just started talking to Jimmy Harry about his extensive work with Shepard Solomon. Worked a lot. We didn't, we actually didn't work that much. I think we did like a few songs together. Um, and uh, like, there was a there was like maybe a year where we did a lot and we, that was it was a good year um we did like things but we sort of had a falling out um you know and just never we, i tried working with him for a long time again but like i just think we just grew in different directions you know and to us it seems like a lot of time together because it just happens to be on a lot of albums that we all like do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that mm -hmm. that's the cool part. So from your from your end, how did you get involved in the kind of the the Britney Spears uh what would end up being touch of my hand? And we talked about well, some other songs that worked on. Shep and I had written this song called Strip. And it was sort of like a like a kind of princey song and somebody got it to Larry Rudolph and they loved it. Um, <clears throat> and so that's how we got in a room with her. Uh, so we, we had like a day, I guess, to cut the vocals for strip and to try to write another song. And I brought in, you know, I just kind of brought in a bunch of tracks. I think I had 10 tracks. I, I played to chef first, uh, you know, like, when I played him the initial track for Touch of My Hand, he was like, don't bring that one in. That's weird. Because it had the, you know, it had the Japanese 
Kodo samples and, and everything like that. And he was like, you can't, they're not going to like that. Of course, that was the one she picked to work on, you know, ultimately speaking. And so it was, it was, it was fun. We went in there. She wrote most of the top line with Balewa Muhammad and um, uh, Shep and I came in and kind of chimed in on like probably the pre-chorus and the chorus. The song doesn't really have like kind of like a typical big chorus, you know, it's just more vibe than it is, I feel like, with a punchline. <laughs> and um, then, you know, we heard back and they were like, okay, we love Touch My Hand, definitely going on the record. Hopping out for a quick second because on Patreon, www.theoriginaldoll.com, I'm going to be talking extensively through Strip. Now back to the show. I worked, I really struggled with Touch My Hand for a long time. It took me like a month to get that track together because it was when they had written it, Belay was kind of, you know, like had a, like a swaggier R&B kind of vibe on it. And I had to really, it was the bass was really like kind of like, you know, it was actually like I was trying to do sort of a mirror wave vibe with it. You know, we did a lot mm. for Madonna. Um, you know, I was trying to do something kind of like that. And, you know, it wasn't working anymore. And I did like a mil, I did like three different iterations of it. And I was about to give up and like, you know, you know, like they had been talking, well, let's get Guy Sigsworth to do it. I said, I mean, he's cool, but he's, this is not like what he, he won't do a good job with it. And finally, like it came up to this things where he switched the rhythm of two notes of the bass line. And it was like, oh my God, it works. It changed everything. The whole vibe of the track. Actually, it was great because I had all these like different parts from these different versions. And then I kind of threw everything together in the night. And then Steve Want was like, dude, that sounds incredible. Let's finish it it's great you know and that was that so we went in kind of to like we had i felt like we had all of the vocals that we didn't have a good first line and um britney loved the song like so much she was like i'm gonna sing the whole thing i said we just need the first line and so we had to have her sing like the whole song like 20 times just so i would get like a good first line she's a great singer though like i mean she's 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 um like I think really underestimated actually you know and i think she's kind of shy about her singing and stuff but she, and her talent i mean like when i was hanging out with her by herself me and her like one night when we were working and you know she went and played me uh, played me the piano version every time which i think was like at this private concert of that song which was like pretty like incredible just in hindsight you know i was like oh yeah, that's a pretty song, but like, you know, kind of, that's pretty iconic too. So it was a fun moment. Well, and that's, that's one of those things, like when I interviewed uh, Steve Lunt and, and Josh KNS and everyone who'd worked with on the Britney album in the zone and so many people, and even afterwards where so many people talked about that Britney doesn't get enough credit for being able to utilize her voice in a way that works for her, that she's a storyteller, that she can get a story told. And I think that oftentimes I had people early on when I started releasing these episodes with producers and songwriters that they're like, no, Brittany doesn't know music. She doesn't know what's good or not. It's like, 
if she's getting, and especially at the time that you're working with her, she's getting the best of the best music. Whoever you are, people wanted to, you know, have a Britney cut just because they knew what was going to come from that. But I thought what was interesting is how early on she would talk about how Erasure, Massive Attack, Enigma, all these these other artists that she was like, this is this is kind of the vibey thing. So of course she has touch of my hand and breathe on me. And when I interviewed Steve um, Anderson about that, well, I mean, where... I think when you look at like who Brittany was hanging out with, like you know, you know, JC and Justin, and you know, like they were so. JC is like you know one of my best friends, and he's such a music head. He always was. It wasn't like they were, you know, they were kind of always like really, really into music and you know listening you know closely so I, I imagine her being in that group of people it's not like she's you know going to be like oh you know like i mean i think that was that was their life they were like super focused on it you know well and and the other thing is for so many of the fans and, and listeners of britney spears music is touch of my hand like i said she's performed that at every concert since that that album came out and she's had a number one song on one of her albums from Femme Fatale that she never did again. And that's a number one song that she had in the United States. She only did for one tour and that was it. But she does Touch of My Hand in every every tour. I and- know, it's it's great. It's great. Like, I mean, actually, like, I think they were, they were definitely thinking about it being a single and they just sort of dealt with it. Like, you know, I think, I, I, I think they were close, but it just didn't happen, you know? which is which i'm super sad about because i'm very proud of that song uh, you know it's like one of my favorite tracks i've done you know so um you know it's just like i i love when i get to do a kitchen sink production like you know which has like <laughs> you know live strings and whatever and you know like you know like sobers like that too like having pink sync opera on it and stuff like that just what you know 40 tracks of like you know strings i mean i love to be love to be indulgent that way so when it and when it connects it's amazing have no fear we have more with jimmy harry coming up and don't forget join me on patreon on there going to be breaking down strip in the next week or two and also in the next coming weeks there's going to be exclusive interviews with a songwriter producer who worked with britney spears also during in the zone and we're going to be dropping some exclusive information about songs that were sampled that became released by Britney Spears and others, but the sample wasn't cleared. That's right. If you're confused, have no fear. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. We're going to have a lot more coming up with a lot of exclusive content. My name is James Rodriguez. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Patreon patrons. Everyone, thank you, and have a great day. See you on the flip side.